I realized that modern music, 21st century music in particular, deals with the African diaspora. Right. So the, the African diaspora culture is now global. Literally, everywhere yeah. you go, it's mm-hmm. like whether you listen to trap, hip hop, mm-hmm. jazz, pop, Afrobeat, Balkan, Afrobeat, exactly. It all, the roots is yeah. Africa via the Caribbean. Welcome to Keep Taking Ground, the saxophone podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Ryan, and today's guest is uh, one of my favorite alto saxophonists. Uh, He was born in uh, Harlem, New York, and began playing the saxophone at an early age. Uh, He grew up in uh, between Bridgeport, Connecticut, and Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Uh, He was a finalist in the Plunius Monk Institute of Jazz saxophone competition in 2013. He's a graduate of Berklee College of Music and the prestigious uh, Thelonious Monk Institute of Jazz performance. Uh, He's performed with the likes of Herbie Hancock, Clark Terry, Ron Carter, Jack DeJanet, Jimmy Heat, Babyface, Tony Braxton, Brinton Marsalis. The list goes on and on and on. Godwin Louis, welcome to the podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me today. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Good to be here. Um, congratulations on your podcast. This is a wonderful project. I can't wait to hear and learn from some of the other guests. And I'm honored to be a part of uh this new podcast. Man, and, and the honor is really all mine. I've been I've been following you for over a decade now, we originally met, I believe, in um, 2007, believe it or not. Yes, um, we did. I remember perfectly. I in, in Trinidad. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, I saw you, you came to Trinidad to perform with the Berkeley College of Music Ensemble, right? That is correct. Yes, that's a... Yeah. It's a band that Ron Reed put together. Right, 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 right yeah. Great Ron Reed, shout mm-hmm. out to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I remember being totally blown away by your playing. Um, I didn't know much about uh, jazz and the music, even though I knew that I wanted to study jazz. And mm-hmm. I specifically remember talking to you after one of the performances you guys did and I think I was, I was, a, I had already applied to Berkeley and I think was, I was accepted and mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I was, I would, I would, I was prepared. Right, right, <laughs> and right. so I remember asking you, okay, what do I need to know? Like, you know, and this, you started to talk about some, what I know now to be like very foundational ideas around jazz harmony. And uh, I was totally clueless <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> at that point. So wow. it, it's it's been um, it's been a long journey for me, and um, it's been a pleasure to be inspired and to look at what you're doing um, along along the way. Let's let's I'd like to get into how you started to play the saxophone a little bit. So what was that like? Right. So um, in 1994, mm-hmm. uh, my parents, my Haitian parents, mm-hmm. my father uh, 
was a pastor and mm -hmm. both of my parents are in the ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, he passed away last year, bless his okay. soul. He decided, um, you know, going to move from Connecticut to Haiti. Mm -hmm. And um, I always wanted to play the saxophone. And before that, you know, at the age of five, we all start. Our, our fifth birthday gift is the piano. You wow. get your first lesson at the piano. Um, and so I've been playing the saxophone for two years. I have an older brother that's two years older than me. He was already like, to me at the time, yeah. a pro. It was like mm -hmm. playing in church, can sight read anything. And Whoa. I always felt like. But he was, you know, he, he was, he had to be seven at that point. Yeah, he was seven at that point. He can <laughs> sight crazy. read like, you know, anything, you know, mm -hmm. classically trained, can hear everything. Cause my father was a, big fan of ear training so mm. growing up solfege was all around the house you know and um was he a musician yeah he was a musician pastor okay. professor yeah all oh. of the above wow yeah really into harmony into composition mm -hmm. um yeah so he was you know very 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 heavy cat as we say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so i always wanted to play the saxophone i think the first time i saw the saxophone was it was a little kid show um i don't know if you ever saw it called barney mm -hmm, of course it i grew up here, on barney. Yeah, so, yeah, so, <laughs> and i saw the saxophone one of the characters mm -hmm, playing mm -hmm. the saxophone yep, yep. so i always wanted to play it and then when we moved to haiti um you know it was so different for us the culture yeah. everything Mm -hmm. And I was sort of like sad. I miss my friends here in the States. Mm -hmm. Father said, you know what? We're going to get you saxophone lessons. Mm -hmm. So That yeah, was a trade-off. <laughs> that was a trade-off. So he hired one of his best friends, uh, this maestro by the name of Luke Nerichon. He was like, uh, he was sort of like the main guy in that region where we were in Carrefour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, a, a commune in Port-au-Prince. Okay. He, he played for, you know, the National Guards Orchestra, mm -hmm. you know, in the Caribbean. That's like that's yeah. cream, cream of the cream, you know, cream yep. de la cream, as we say. Mm -hmm. And so this guy was an amazing sight reader, too. Wow. Um, and so he hired him to teach me my first saxophone lesson. So I remember vividly my very first lesson was uh, Mary had a little him. He she said, "This is a saxophone. Uh, this is how you produce the sound. So you just roll your your bottom lip, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you roll your upper lip. Notice yeah. that we call this so, a French embouchure. Yeah, French school. No wow. teeth on top. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I was like, you just roll your upper lip, and then mm -hmm. you just go like." Like you have a piece of sugar cane in your mouth. That's the mm -hmm. way you should be yeah. hitting the reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that's how I learned. So started with a French embouchure. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first lesson, I was able to produce a sound. My mm -hmm. first lesson was Mary had a little lamb, but, mm -hmm. you know, starting with D. So <laughs> D, D, C, B, C, D, 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 C, 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 D, 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 you know, like pretty much diatonic. And, Phrygian, um, Phrygian Mary had a little lamb. Exactly. <laughs> and then uh, my second lesson was like the following week. Okay. And um, I think he was trying to teach me another song. And I just said, Maestro, because that's how you refer to all those guys. I mm -hmm. said, Maestro, please, I just want to 
just teach me all the chromatic scales. Like I'm, or I've been playing piano for two years already. I know mm-hmm. how to read. I'm, you know, I'm on. I just teach me the chromatic scale, and I'll be okay. And I think he didn't like that because you know it's heavy. You know it's mm-hmm. poor country, and he wanted mm-hmm. his weekly income. Right, right. And because he was such a great friend of my father, and you know my father trusted him, he said, "Okay, fine." I'll teach you the chromatic scale. So mm-hmm. uh, the whole lesson was spent teaching me, you know, starting from like the low B flat. I mm-hmm. think we went up to like high F. And he showed me like the front. And In your second week of lessons. My second week of lessons, yeah. <laughs> he, he taught me all the notes. But you and, know, that's, uh, that's, that's, so, that's so like indicative of the French school um, of, 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 the, of saxophone um, in terms of starting on the very lowest note and just getting into those fundamental things from very, yeah, exactly. very early. Yeah. Right, right. So we started from there. And after that, I messed around with that, with, with those notes. And um, and I think it was like the set, maybe the third time or the third week, my mm-hmm. father bought a saxophone from him. Nice. Which was a C melody saxophone, which I still own to this day. Wow. I should post it online when it's, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's a beautiful horn. It doesn't work at all. Okay. I was trying to restore it, but, you know, the guys wanted so much money. Right, yeah. Um, I be believe it's a King C melody. Okay. And so the third week, I think he just came just to hang out and I, you know, just to make sure I could play the horn. Mm-hmm, it wasn't in the best condition, you know, so we just noodle around and then from there i started playing tunes sight read sight read some tunes with my brother mm-hmm. because at that um, point you knew all the fingerings yeah i knew all the fingerings and i already knew how to read music right you know so it was just yeah. kind of like applying where let's be flat again like okay that's b flat okay cool and then i would try to i remember trying to play you know all the scales and all 12 keys mm-hmm. that kind of thing and so I started playing saxophone in October. By January, I was playing in church, you know, with my brother all over the island. And by the next summer, I was like in a band and like a mm-hmm. one of those concert bands, you know. Nice. And, and we were gigging all over wow. the island. I was like 10, you know. So that was <laughs> amazing. And then the following year, I moved back to the States. Okay. And uh, to Bridgeport, Connecticut. And... Um, I uh, I remember I had to. I didn't have a saxophone. I left my saxophone in Haiti. Oh, okay. And and one of my uncle, who's who's the uncle that introduced me to saxophone, his name is Robert Saint Fleur, and uh, he's an amazing guitarist. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to Charlie Parker, and he said, "No, if you go to your school, because the public schools in the states." You you could get a saxophone. I'm I'm not long. I'm not sure if that's still the case now, but that was the deal then. Mm-hmm. So I went to school, and I went to the band instructor, Mr. DeGro, uh, and I said I'm a sax player, but I don't have a horn. I'd love to join the band, mm-hmm. and so he gave me a saxophone. And then my uncle started, you know, teaching me jazz. He said, "Man, nice. if you need to learn anything, you need to look Charlie Parker." So the very first Charlie Parker I heard was a uh, bird playing White Christmas. Should he be here? I thought that was like the hippest thing, as we yeah. say, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that I've ever heard in my life, you know, because it reminded me of like 
the church sensibility and some sensibilities mm. with the yeah, blues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. this notion of like improvising not close to the melody. See, because when we grew up in church, when we improvise, it's always like we play around yeah, with yeah, the yeah. melody. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Parker was sort of like the first that I heard that's able to use all these devices back then. At least that's why I thought, man, why is he doing it? Sounds so cool. Yeah. But it's not the melody, but it's kind of like right in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and so, yeah, so I started learning bird solos. And so, yeah, we got really into bebop and that was my foundation. So Amazing. Sort of how it all started. So let's fast forward to um, studying at Berkeley College of Music and um, the Monk School. What were those experiences like? Those experiences were amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that the reason why they were both amazing and smooth for the most mm-hmm. part was because I had a lot of amazing mentors around the way. Like my mm-hmm. junior year in high school, I met this uh, amazing instructor. Uh, this amazing fella, man, tenor saxophone player, still one of my, still my favorite tenor sound by the wow. name of Herb Wilson. Mm-hmm. So he, um, I was attending a church, um, Walter Amy Zion, that, a church I was playing every Sunday. They decided to pay for our lessons. So that's when I got my formal lesson at the age of 16, mm-hmm. like 15 going on 16, something like that. So I was able to study with Mr. Wilson uh, for two years and I felt like he prepared me you see what I'm saying for Berkeley yeah and I was also able to attend a, an amazing camp in Connecticut called the Litchfield Jazz mm-hmm. Camp yeah. where I met like Steve Wilson um, great people like Don Braden yeah uh, and some others you know so I was and Dave Santoro who was mm-hmm. our harmony teacher so by the time I got to Berkeley I was you know so I felt at least, you know, like I understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was aware of, of sort of everything. I felt like I had a jump start. And through Berkeley, um, I met one of, uh, we call him one of the modern jazz heroes by the name of Hal Crook. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a hero. And so yeah. in his whole concept of jazz improvisation, beyond time and changes, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being accountable for your lines and not just playing to, you know, regurgitate, but sort of like telling a story, mm-hmm. uh, creativity, you see what I'm saying? All those things. Mm-hmm. I felt like that prepared me for the Thelonious Monk Institute because Thelonious Monk Institute, which was, uh, I guess, formerly known now, it's called the Herbie Hancock Institute. Yeah. Um, Terrence Blanchard was our artistic director and that was sort of like that direction mm-hmm. you know the approach was sort of like the extension of the music so the yeah. languages of 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 the lone, of, of not only to Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter it seemed like it was that kind of school you know creativity right. you know going for it letting go these are some of the things that we would always hear yeah, the concept. Yeah, 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 the concept. So I think that's mm-hmm. where the concept started, where, you know, you can only be you. Everyone else is taken, you know. Right. <laughs> and and, and yeah. so it allowed us to kind of explore composition, mm-hmm. to really get our acts together musically for two years. Nice. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that exp- those, those experiences prepared me, I feel like, for the real world and also for my journey, too. Right. So I'm absolutely grateful for them, I'm grateful for the you know guy, the guys that I 
got to play with along the way too. Great. And I don't know if you know this, but the Monk Institute, they select a band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of get to develop with that band. So I was fortunate to, you know, develop with Billy Bus, Victor Gould, oh. Wong, Nick Falk, you know, and Matt Morantz. Matt Morantz, you know, he's amazing Man, saxophone. It's I, I, ridiculous. I didn't know that that um Billy Bus was part of the of, of that yeah, year. He was, man, I yeah. absolutely love his playing, man. Yeah, Billy's amazing. Yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. We all developed our concepts, you know, to get like we hear each other. Yeah, we understood. And I remember, like, whenever we were frustrated with someone, we just write the hardest part for that person. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh yeah. You want to act up? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, fine. Read oh my this. god, that's too funny. Read that, you know. So it was, <laughs> and the thing is, you know, the amazing thing, I think they changed the guidelines because. It, it, it ended up where we all came from Berkeley, except for Matt Morantz. Oh. And we knew each other, so it was sort of like a family. I got right. I, hang, I hung out with Victor. We practiced together mm-hmm. for the audition. You know what I'm saying? So it was like yeah. an amazing experience. That That's amazing, man. Us. So you, you've had a pretty interesting journey from when you started to play the saxophone and um, moving back to Haiti from Connecticut, then moving back to the, to the U.S., um, having right. a, a lot, lot great mentors um, from right. in your in your mid teens, um, moving mm-hmm. on to study at two of the most prestigious uh, music institutions in 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 the world, really. Um, right. And how has all of those experiences helped to shape um, your direction, uh, or, or in other words, what are you in pursuit of? I'd like us to really discover what your ground is and you know the 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 title of this podcast is keep taking ground i'm trying to encourage and inspire people to keep taking ground in their individual uh personal and creative journey so let's let's discover what are you in pursuit of gordon right so throughout my studies and all those different institutions Mm -hmm. i was always reminded of my foundation and who i am which is, you know, someone of African descent mm-hmm. via, you know, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? An, yeah. an American of African descent mm-hmm. with Caribbean parents. Right. So I would say when I was in grad school in the Monk Institute, I sort of, it all started coming to me, this pursuit of sort of being me because that that was the concept in the Thelonious Monk Institute mm-hmm. and I realized that I had something really special you know, my background right. and the connection to the island you see what I'm saying so mm-hmm. I began to also realize that um, that when it comes to jazz or black American music they tend to be this hierarchy you mm. know that Unless you're in pursuit of the language of Louis Armstrong or Bird or, you know, Bebop, the 60s, Monk, all the all my idols, mm-hmm. that's it. You know, th- that's it. And to me, I always felt like there's more. There's more. You know, a lot of jazz musicians in general always feel like they're superior. You know, I've done, I've been fortunate, for, for instance, to do pop gigs where mm-hmm. the horn section, they'll be like, 
uh, uh, what we call a traditional jazz that will feel superior because they can play bebop. And that language calls for something else. Yes, and if you're really in the present, yeah. you'll be able to express mm-hmm. and kind of still deal with your personal musical history mm-hmm. and language over that atmosphere, that musical atmosphere. You see what I'm saying? Definitely. Yeah. So I always felt that like hierarchy. You understand what I'm saying? Like, Definitely. It's always there. Like, okay, yeah. unless you can play bebop, then you're, you can't play. Unless you can do this, you can't. So I started exploring more. Um, of course, that's my foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, as someone that grew up in America. But I started looking more into like ancestry and the connections, you know, to jazz and, and the sounds of New Orleans mm-hmm. via the Caribbean. And I went further, you know, personally tracking along my DNA wow. and my African ancestry to kind of, find this global connection in terms of uh i realized that modern music 21st century music in particular deals with the african diaspora right so the the african diaspora culture is now global literally everywhere you go it's Mm -hmm. like whether you listen to trap Mm hip-hop jazz pop Afrobeat. all came Afrobeat exactly. It all the roots is yeah. Africa via the Caribbean. Yeah. The beginning of hip hop. Yep. The English That's Caribbean. Yep. 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 You know what I'm saying? Like in mm-hmm. the Bronx, you know, my 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 um I remember having this conversation with family members uh recently last year. So last year for my C D release. I went on a little journey with my mother to the Bronx to where we lived. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that that neighborhood is still very much Caribbean, like all right. that. And that was kind of like the, the, the breaking ground for hip hop. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So there's a serious connection. We're, we're a lot more connected than we think. Definitely. And I realized that if we are aware of those connections, the music will you know, have higher grounds and mm. we'll be able to take it to other places. And you could, so you could transcend that, that, that traditional uh, American conception about what's le- legitimate in, in jazz and, and in music. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. That's, and that's so, cool. you know, like a lot of the heroes in this music have ancestry, you know, from outside of the U.S., but they still had the same experience. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, uh, you know, and hip hop, for example, Notorious B.I.G. was mm-hmm. a first generation Jamaican. Right. But his influence is still what it is. You see what I'm saying? He's still in the Hall of Fame, or mm-hmm. one of the greats of all time, the GOAT, as the young generation say. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and so were a lot of, you know, musicians. So were, you know, someone like Horace Silver. From, yeah. from Cabo Verde, from Cape Verde, mm-hmm. still, you know, still put his stamp on this music. Yeah. You yeah. see what I'm saying? So the connection is there. And so are many musicians have, yeah. you know, Caribbean roots or directly connected with the continent. I mean, I connect with that idea so much. And, and I definitely think that you have been one of the main proponents of our generation, my generation of saxophone players that have been a, a really clear um, and inspiring voice um, mm-hmm. 
bring in um, finding the roots of the music and discovering right. the the ancestral DNA of the music really you know right. and and, right. and bringing right. it to to us so um, right. I want to go back to that idea of of ancestral DNA because I know with your 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 debut album and and you you're continually writing and discovering stuff but the your compositional process involved a lot of research absolutely yeah how, how mm-hmm. what was that process like well again it started with like i said 10 years ago i actually started with living in new orleans and seeing okay. like that creole connection particularly to haiti and i said yeah. man this is something i really want to explore mm-hmm. you know it it it, it you know, it kind of introduced me to possibilities that mm. that are open for exploration. Right. Opened my eyes, you know, to new ways. And um, through that, I was able to kind of like go back to the continent, trace my 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 DNA, you mm, know, wow. specifically to certain places. And the common denominator that I noticed was speech. Mm. Like a lot of times, I remember specifically being in Mali, yeah. and a lot of times I would understand, particularly the time. I'm like, is this odd meter? They're like, no, it's the text. This is we're going based on the text, right? And then I saw that connection with the church music that I grew up listening to in Haiti. Wow, you see what I'm saying? That yeah. the idea of text, your arrangement being based on a text. Mm-hmm. And your rhythm, your 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 clave, and and everything else, and from there you can add whatever else, and, you know. So just all those things. So it's to me, it's very interesting because through it, not only I enhance my skills as a composer and arranger, mm-hmm. but I also understand my DNA better, mm. and I understand who I am and the connection, and all these things. You see what I'm saying? that's 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 really really cool um how so going back to this idea of 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 transcending the 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 traditional conception and finding Mm -hmm. the dna how have you used all of your travels with this um with your global project and um your study to inform the pursuit of transcending that that uh, traditional conception of what's legitimate in 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 America, right, right, right. Jazz. You know, you talked about the idea of of um, using text. You know, mm-hmm. is there something from your album that you could uh, use to demonstrate how you incorporated those things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So this one will be probably on my next album. I haven't okay. recorded it yet. Okay. Although we explored it once before in New York. Okay. Uh, with an amazing singer by the name of Pauline Jean. Mm -hmm. Um, But we haven't really delved into it. Okay. So I'm working on the arrangement uh, Mm -hmm. during this quarantine season to really get it out. So in the church, right, we have a lot of different songs that are just like basic words, like just simple text sort of Mm -hmm. like from the countryside. And in, in Haiti? Yeah, in Haiti. Okay. So uh, one in particular, it goes, Le ma pa la pa pam, pa pam, le pam. 
soleil m'a pas la pas pam 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 relim pam which is 11 or we can get 9 out of it which is le m'a pas la pas pam relim pam le m'a pas la pas pam relim pam rotating so 9 and yep. 11 so we yep, can yep. do le m'a pas le m'a pas la pas pam 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 relim pam le m'a pas la pas pam 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 relim pam le m'a pas la pas pam relim pam le m'a pas la pas and all that means is like when I'm speaking to the Father, meaning God, our Creator, mm-hmm. He's mine. Mm. That's the translation. The translation. But I think because of like my quest and linguistic quest also, mm-hmm. and because the, the, I'm still fascinated by the Creole language. I speak it Me and too. I'm able to also <laughs> look at it. You see what I'm saying? Look yeah. at it like that sounds weird. <laughs> it's funky. It is and so you can good, create man. something out of it. Yeah. So with this concept, your arrangement is kind of like set. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because you yeah. can change it around like Build a lot of like what's called and on Chihoya. So I used to be in this band called the Eagle Orchestra. I would say that was like my introduction to uh, to exploring African sounds in my DNA. It's a it's a large ensemble uh, out of Boston. Shout out to the great Russ Gershon. And that was sort of like my introduction to like Ethiopian jazz through it. I was able to mm-hmm. play with the father of. Uh, of of uh, Ethio jazz, his name is Mulatu Astakta. He mm-hmm. was the first African to study yep. at Berkeley, and so I learned a lot. All these different modes, anchihoi, that the Ethiopians use. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it's also found in in Togo, okay, like in in Evwe culture or what we know as Ewe culture. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that connection because you know Ethiopia is all the way east, mm-hmm. and Togo is west, and you found that in their traditional music. So I incorporate a lot of those modes mm-hmm. also as like my cantus ferme for improvisation. Yeah, and then I just let like my foundation and what I hear naturally mm-hmm. take over over a concept like that. So like. You know, that kind of like conceptual mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and, and it, there's obviously uh, a really strong rhythmic element um, to, 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 to it. And it, you're, you're using the, the text and the, the, the language, the phrasing to to shape that and you you have a whole new palette of sound and rhythmic rhythms conception that you're that you're introducing into the music and in saying introducing is probably not the best way to say it um because it's really not not an extra layer but it's a foundational layer in terms of the roots of the music exactly right exactly so Yeah, and, and, and so in addition to that, not only as a composition composition device, mm-hmm. but 
when I was in New Orleans, I was fortunate to study composition with the great Roger Dickerson. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was uh, suggested to me by Terrence Blanchard because he okay. was Terrence's teacher too, Wenton and all those mm-hmm. guys. And during our lessons, so we studied counterpoint, non-stylistic counterpoint for two wow. years. And I thank him for a lot of it. And what was amazing from Roger Dickerson was every concept we explored compositionally, he always figured out a way for me to incorporate it in my improvisation. So it wasn't only about composition. So a lot of times we'll do certain things, you know, I'll I'll bring him like, you know, my Kentis Fermi, free species, second, third species or whatever it was. And he'll always, he'll play it and say like, See, you can use these devices when you're improvising too. Mm. You see, think of it like when you're playing and I said, wow. So a lot of it I incorporate into my playing in terms of like the the rhythm, the motive, suspension, delayed anticipation. So I'm always like conscious of my, of, 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 of my atmosphere if you understand what I'm saying, as an I, improviser, because it's an atmosphere mm-hmm. that we, we're planting in and we're sowing seed and it, we're creating sounds, we're welcoming people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to question people like, hey, listen, mm-hmm. you must do but So this, so em- improvising is an atmosphere. Wow. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of times we're questioning people like, hey, man, I didn't like what you did here. Oh man, thank you very much for this. But sometimes we're sad, we're happy. You see what I'm saying? And you, you, so so like, that's like the, all the emotic concepts. element. Exactly. So yeah. it all yeah. exists in improvisation. And you see what I'm saying? If you're looking at it like that, it transcends bebop, free jazz, all of that. It's global. Wow. The possibilities. <laughs> you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. It yeah. transcends as, as, as the great Hal Crook would say, time and changes. <laughs> and so this pursuit has really uh, shaped not only your creative conception, not only your, your compositional process, but also your improvisational concepts and, mm-hmm. and, and, and approach as, as well. And it's, I mean, hearing you explain it is, is so interesting because I've listened to the global album and, and had the pleasure of hearing you play live a couple of times and I can definitely hear all of that in your playing. It's so, it comes mm-hmm. through in your playing so clearly. And it's really good to hear the backstory and see how all of that has really become part of your musical DNA and through yeah, finding absolutely. the ancestry. Right, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and there's a lot of layers to it, as you mm-hmm. know, and it's, for me, it's, it's continual. You know, right now I'm really interested in Central Africa, specifically the Congo region. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate to visit that region in January. Okay. And because to me, that's sort of like our inception mm-hmm. as Africans in the new world. We know that majority of us came from there, yeah. you know, through the French to the Portuguese. So we know that, you know, whether you're from the lower Antilles mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. upper Antilles or the States, the South, yeah. Congo Square, Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of that or, you know, so I feel like and the other thing I realize is that a lot of people explore Africa, but it's always kind of sort of West Africa and not many get to go to that terrain because it's, it's Francophone. 
not only that, and we don't really have access, you know, to there. I mean, to get a visa to go to the Congo. Right. Man, it was a journey. <laughs> I remember, you know, waking my sister up, you know, like we, we lived together. And mm-hmm. my, sister, my gosh, like, you know, pray for me to get this visa. Yeah, yeah. Got, and it was like a celebration, you know, when they finally gave me that visa. I, I think you posted and, about that, right? Yeah, I posted yeah, I about that because it was like so hard to get. And <laughs> so, um, and, I, and, 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 and that trip was amazing. One of the best trips of my life, you know. And I, I realized that, wow, that the connection is there. Mm-hmm. The Americas were so much Congo and Central Africa, so much more, you know. Mm-hmm. I hear that influence, uh, the, the dupometer, you know, the Tresillo, mm-hmm. the clave rhythm, the Tresillo, that... You know, they call that the Bakongo rhythm. And that's a oh. tribe. That's a tribe in, in, in Central Africa that's currently present in Angola, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and the Republic of Congo. So I didn't like know that, that eastern region. Mm-hmm. And so I played them one of my songs there, Sea Well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for it's pretty much this thing. And, thing. and he's like, oh, that's the Bakongo rhythm. And I said, wow. That's interesting. Us home in Haiti, you know, it's a see, it's a kata, or other places it's a clave, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's like attributed to the Bakongo tribe, right? You know, you know so like, you know, Gawain, it's so interesting talking about all of these issues because I think when I think about present day musicians um, in, let's say, in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. uh, here, here you are of Caribbean heritage or mm-hmm. African heritage via the Caribbean, mm-hmm. um, you're finding and discovering your, your, your uh, ancestral DNA through music. But mm-hmm. I think also for me as someone who grew up in the Caribbean, there's a lot of mm-hmm. that DNA that I'm also trying to discover because I think there's also a need for it. Um, you know, in the English speaking Caribbean in particular, um, uh, I don't think we've been as successful as, let's say, the French-speaking or Spanish-speaking Caribbean mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. in preserving some of that um, musical Absolutely. DNA. And Absolutely. so, you know, I heard you playing that Bar Congo rhythm, and it sounds mm-hmm. exactly like what we would call dub, um, right. that, that, that rhythm. And, yeah. you know, making that connection mm-hmm. and then going deeper into the ancestry, it enriches your, 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 your understanding of your own heritage. And I think Absolutely. inevitably the listener can hear like the depth right. of that tradition. Um, right. And it, it's so important for musicians to, to dig deeper. And um, thank you so much for sharing all of that oh, insight you. On, yeah. on, on your process. Um, yeah. I'd love to do one more thing before we wrap up this conversation. Oh, cool, man. Yeah. I want to, I want us to do a rapid fire question game that I call three, two, one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd like you to share three albums that have been influential mm-hmm. for you two mm-hmm. saxophone players. And then finally leave our audience with one piece of advice. Okay, great. Uh-huh. So, 
when do I go now? Go for it. Okay, so <laughs> Bird with Strings. Amazing. Sure. Mm-hmm. One of all-time favorite. Fell in love with Charlie Parker. Um, the Shape of Jazz to Come, Ornette Coleman. I mean, when I first heard that album, I feel like it changed my life. Mm-hmm. And to me, Ornette sounds like he's from the Caribbean. Yeah. Like how someone from the Caribbean that heard that heard Bird would translate it. Like something, you know, like la la music. Yeah. You know, it's so so yeah, definitely that. Mm-hmm. Um third album, let's see. Man, gotta add this in there. Um Gospel according to jazz. Kirk you know, I grew up in the church. Dude, that you was know? a huge album for me too. And that was a huge <laughs> influence, you know, yeah. on me. I've still, you know, explored hymns and my mm-hmm. concept. And a lot of it, you know, a lot of my music is exploring, you know, the music of, you know, the spirituality of mm-hmm. you know, the church. And that album kind of changed my life, you know, and it's such an amazing place. Sound. The, the special thing about Kirk Whalem is like the guy plays one note. And it's over. And <laughs> you hear so many characters, stories, yeah. and yeah. I mean, whenever I hear him play, I see, you know, I see so like it's pictorial, each yeah. note. Yeah. So I would definitely say that. Wow. Two saxophone players. Whew. Man, I would have to go with Bird and Ornette. Okay. You know, because I feel like, and I got a chance to meet Ornette too, hung out with him. Wow. Uh, he knew a great buddy of mine. Um, and so we, Kazimir Libeski is his name, great okay. piano player, mm-hmm. Belgian cat. And he invited me over and I have a little clip. Sometimes I post part of it. It's like mm-hmm. five minutes long. Like every other year I post like 15 <laughs> seconds of it, you know, because I wanted to do something with it. And, um, mm-hmm. and he was amazing, man. He told us so many amazing stories and, He's literally one of my heroes, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like in my plane, you hear the bird and the ornette. Definitely. And the African Definitely. and the Caribbean and mm-hmm. the church. If yeah. I were to describe my plane, you will hear all yeah. of that. Definitely. Um, and I did go through like a heavily Coney sphere too. Mm. If you listen closely, do you hear that? And I got to meet him too. You know, bless his soul, he just passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I guess those will be my two tied. Uh, nice. add one, uh, I'll add uh, uh, the Great Lee Coded. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, cool. And then um, what was the third thing? Um, one piece of advice. Man, one piece of advice that I would stress to all the saxophone players out there, or just anyone in general, is to absolutely be yourself. Hmm. You know, when it comes to this music, when it comes to exploring, because think about this. The reason why you like your favorite saxophonist is because they're completely themselves. Yeah. They have the reason why unique. we love Charlie Parker is because it's unique. The reason why we love John Coltrane is because it's he was 100% him. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the reason why we love all these people is because of that. So I always encourage cast to whatever you hear, that's it. You know, don't let the mob dictate like, okay, this is the end sound. This is the outside. There's no such thing. We don't even know what's in or out until we put it out. 
you know, until it's 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 in the eye of the beholder. What's in it now? It's you know. So that's what I would say. Just do you do what you hear, explore it, go for it, share it with us, build your audience based on that. You know, people will relate to your truth and your right. journey. Right. Yeah. That's great advice, man. It's been a real pleasure um, chatting with you and just hearing your journey um, from when you started playing and um, your current global project and all the work that's gone into that and something that I really connect to in terms of discovering uh, ancestral DNA. So thanks for all the insights um, on that. Uh, If you're listening and you want to connect with Godwin, his website is godwinlouis.com godwinlouis.com uh you on instagram too right godwin i am yeah it's godwin louis but l-o-u-e okay instagram cool and i'm also on facebook i think my facebook is full though it's been full for like the past 10 years and i'm trying to switch it to an artist page right i don't know how to so i can show you how to do that (laughs) right like really so like switch all my yeah because I, I want to switch it all to an artist page. Yeah, yeah, I can show you how to do that. Uh, Amazing. So thanks for listening, guys. I hope that this um, episode was both inspirational and it empowers you to keep taking ground in your individual journeys, your professional, your creative, your musical journeys. So thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks, Godwin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Congrats again. Peace out to everyone. Thank you.